Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content may be graphic for some listeners. This week, we will be covering child predators with especially graphic detail. Listener discretion is suggested. Hi, guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. We're just two crimes and we... Two crimes, two wives, and we love true crime. Who are we? I don't know. Um, this week, are, as we stated at the top of the episode, our um, crimes that we're both going to be talking about are going to be a bit heavy, so hang on tight, but we kind of felt like they needed to be talked about, and um, I'm going to go first again this week. I'm Veronica. And I'm Destiny. She's Destiny, and she's real far away from her mic, so if you can't hear, Sorry. I'm closer now. I'm sorry. She's closer now. Okay, so um, I'm going to jump into mine. Um, my case was sent to me, um, actually, by my sister-in-law. Just anyone that knows I like true crime is like, hey, look at this. And it was the craziest. I, I was just, I browsed it at first and was like, this is good. Oh, oh, this is awful. Okay, I'm doing this. So <laughs> I put it on my list of ones to do, and then it keeps popping up in my life. So I'm just going to jump into mine. I am doing the murders of Sheila and Catherine Lyon. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but I didn't. I have not. Um, As always, I'm going to start off with, I got my information from um, a few different places. Uh, The Washington Post from a journalist named Mark Bowden, who covered this case for years. And then Wikipedia, and also today, um, I listened to episode 28 of The Vanished Podcast, Um, only because I think it's the only podcast that's ever covered it, but I listened to it just to get some other information. For the most part, though, I'd already had this written up, and then I just listened to it. Destiny's cracking her neck back there. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into this. I just had to get ready. (laughs) She's just cracking her neck. It's go time. Okay, it was the spring of March 25th in 1975 when two beautiful sisters by the name of Sheila and Catherine Lyon left home together to walk to Wheaton Plaza, a shopping mall near the home, uh, near their home, to get lunch together at a place called the Orange Bowl, and they were never seen again. Their case resulted in one of the largest police investigations in the Washington metropolitan area. Sheila was 12, Catherine, or most of the time she's referred to as Kate, was 10 when they were last seen. The two sisters were born to John and Mary Lyon in Kensington, Maryland. They had an older brother, Jay, who doesn't ever really get talked about from here on out, but he did grow up to be a police officer, and then their father was a well-known radio personality at a local radio station. So first off, I'm going to start with a brief timeline because I read the whole story, went through it, and was like, okay, where do we start with this information? So here's the breakdown of what happened that day. The girls left home around 11 a.m. and were instructed by their mother to return home by 4 p.m. Because it was spring break, they just wanted to go out. They wanted to go to lunch together. Kids will be kids. Kids will be kids. Unfortunately, didn't turn out great. Mm. So, between uh, 11 a.m. and noon, the girls leave their house. At 1 p.m., a child from their neighborhood sees the girls together outside the Orange Bowl speaking to an unidentified man who was described as about 6 feet tall 50 to 60 years old and wearing a brown suit. According to what he, or what the child who s- spots them, tells investigators, there were also children talking to this man and playing with a voice recorder and a mic that he pulled out of a briefcase. Weird. Yep, weird. 
At 2 p.m., the girl's older brother sees them at the Orange Bowl eating pizza together. So at some point, Jay walks by and sees them. Between 2.30 and 3 p.m., a friend sees the girls walking westward down the street near the mall, which would have been one of the most direct routes from the mall to their house. This is the final sighting of the sisters that is absolutely confirmed by police. So that's the absolute last time they were seen was between 2 and 3 p.m. Okay. 4 p.m., curfew set by their mom passes. The girls are expected home and don't arrive. I'm just... I, I, for some reason when I read that and I was just like and I'm sad now and it doesn't get any happier from here yeah, I had a feeling yeah so finally 7 p.m. police are called the investigation and an active search by professionals begins at the top of the investigation two composite sketches were created of the unknown man who was currently being considered their prime suspect and um, the investigation followed up on reports from several people who they said recognized the sketch of an unknown man with a briefcase. Press reports indicate that the man matching a sketch was seen a few weeks earlier at two other malls in Maryland. These witnesses reported that he had approached several young girls and asked them to read answering machine messages typed on an index card in his handheld microphone. Okay. Microphone. <laughs> yep, just all weird. What? This... What, this needs to be stated here that it's such a weird part of the story. This isn't our guy. Oh my god! What? Yeah, I'm just gonna come out and say it now, so we don't get distracted by yeah, him. Yeah, I was like, this is definitely the dude. Yeah, the, creepy. My, my next line is, however, and unfortunately, the police never acknowledged a direct link between these reports and the Lion Sisters' disappearance. So he had this guy's. They're like. Well, he's a creep. Not him. Moving on. Well, Something they, ruled him out. Yeah, yeah, hopefully they kept watching him. Yeah, oh, you'd hope so, <laughs> because whatever he's doing is not Yeah, this, not is, right. this is a normal. Mm-hmm. Not normal. Okay, so as a few weeks go by, numerous volunteer groups combed vacant lots, streams, bed, and stream beds for the sisters. So it's, and eventually the National Guard was even called in, so it was big. I mean, it was the biggest in the area at the time. Um... At some point, the investigation, into the investigation, a friend of the Lion Sisters came forward with a story of how a long-haired man and the man, um, man at Amal, sorry, had been staring at the girls so long and so intently that she actually confronted him. Uh, a sketch artist made a drawing based on her description, and basically her description was white, longer hair, late teens, early 20s, acne on his face, scars on his left cheek shabbily dressed so just kind of not great dressed um and then for some reason a, de a deposit of that sketch was not widely distributed the man um weird why yeah, i don't know the other guy that they um drew a bunch of pictures of briefcase man it, tons of pictures were distributed of him this guy none or some I, i'm assuming they're like hey this guy we think he did it so not going to show everybody. Yeah. At the time, but. they were like, this guy's creepy. He's got to be the guy. So let's hear a bunch of pictures of him. And then what is strange is that this other picture, but I say strange, but as you're going to find out, is there this case is convoluted. So I think that they had to pick and choose what they wanted to put out there. Gotcha. So, okay. So the description, obviously, from the sister's friend um, the description was very different from the older, well-dressed man who was now being referred to as tape recorder man. Not briefcase man, he's tape recorder man. And then, of course, there was a huge uh, gap in their ages. The 
briefcase man or tape recorder man sorry tape recorder man he was 50s or 60s this other guy's like they think he's maybe in his teenagers or 20s i like your name more just so you know <laughs> briefcase man briefcase he had a man. briefcase yeah i mean that's way better than tape <laughs> yes. recorder guy at first in my notes he was brown suit man and i'm like oh they already gave him a name and i already gave him a name okay he's <laughs> he's tape recorder well, man he has three names now yeah he could have he could have been a lot of names because he had a briefcase, he had a brown suit, he had a creepy note card. He could have been creepy note card man. Yeah, so. Voice recorder man. <laughs> yeah. That's mine. That's Ugh. mine. <laughs> Tape recorder man. <laughs> okay, so. Unfortunately, because of the vast amount of reports coming in, there are quite a few uh, false leads. The disappearance generated calls from psychics, extortionists, and of course, attention seekers. So, again, tons of people calling in. They just all of the information they're getting they don't really know what to do with it is what it sounds like at first because there's even this one uh somebody calls in this is the another it basically there's just a ton of ransoms being called in essentially they're people trying to get involved in the case it's so yeah. strange to me that people are like oh this is my five seconds of fame yeah give me some attention yeah it's a murder or it's not a murder there are two girls are missing but yeah there's two girls that are missing like come on people young children so one in particular began with an anonymous male who called on april 4th 19 so it's been a few weeks but 19 april 4th 1975 and demanded that john lyon their dad leave a briefcase with ten thousand dollars inside an annapolis courthouse annapolis I don't know how to pronounce that. Courthouse restroom. So John leaves $101 in the courthouse as directed by the police. This amount was just enough to make the crime a felony, but the briefcase was never claimed. That anonymous person called John Lyon again later and said that there were too many police around the courthouse and he could not retrieve the ransom. So John Lyon um, said he would have to hear the girls' voices before he would do anything else. He never contacted them again. Okay, can I just ask you? Here's my note. <laughs> I bet you're about to ask what, I'm, what my note a is. A fucking courthouse? <laughs> I said, my note is, a man instructed him to leave a briefcase at the courthouse, a well-known location for police and law enforcement to primarily inhibit, and then said there was too many police officers there. <laughs> like, what? Okay, so it's let me let a me fake just, person. That's the stupidest. That's yes. Like, okay, so leave it at the police station. Yeah. And I'll be by to pick it up later. Oh, there's too many police. I gotta oh, go. Damn. Okay, can't do it. So idiot. So just right from the get go, people are trying to insert themselves in this case, and I don't know why, or I, maybe it's they do this in all cases all around the world, and I just never realized that. Um, or you don't hear these details, but for some reason these details are super heavy in this one that people are just trying to be a part of the action, and it's super sad. It's the worst part of it. Yeah, that's awful. Okay, so anyways, the last false lead was from a guy named Lloyd Welch, who was reported seeing, or he reported seeing the girls and a man uh, get into a car, I think, to a guard at the mall one week after the disappearance. So after one week later, this guy comes in and was like, also, I did see this. And uh, the guard goes to the police. They took down his statement. However, his story was very elaborate, kind of far-fetched. And when given the lie detector test, he failed on most all of his answers. Therefore, his report was disregarded. Moving on. Eventually, there are three main suspects in the case who all eventually are ruled out, but I'm just going to name what they did real quick because they felt like worth mentioning. Okay, uh, the first was Fred Howard Coffee. Coffee? Coffee. I mean, 
a great last name, horrible everywhere else. Um, he was convicted for a murder in 1979 for beating the beating, strangulation, and murder of and molestation of a 10-year-old girl in North Carolina. Gross. Wasn't him? Awful. Next was um, Raymond Rudolph Milsky. What is up with your names? You always get the best <laughs> names. Oh, yeah. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, Raymond Rudolph. Mm-hmm. So too Christmassy comes to mind. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so he lived short distance away from Prince George, um, which is the county in which the girls disappeared from. Um, he murdered his wife, teenage son, and wounded another son inside of their home in November of 1977. So essentially what I'm doing here is listing off other people that suck. God, gross. Okay. Well, and how was this guy out? Like, how was he out and about? I don't know. I don't know. And this is quite a few. Yeah, this is like three years after. And then here's this guy who was my favorite but is like, I think, assuming the least um, likely. He... And finally, there was John Brennan Crutchley, cool name, and known as, or also known as, the Vampire Rapist, who had also been considered a suspect briefly, but eventually was ruled out rather quickly from what I understand. Um, And then from here, the case goes cold for almost 40 years. Okay, wait. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why he's the Vampire Yes, I do. Okay, because I, I was like, I kind. Are you gonna get to that later? Oh no! Do you want to yeah, know? Yeah, right I now? would really. I, I wasn't really gonna like mention to, it, but yeah, uh, nope. Need okay, to know. so he um, kidnapped a woman who was a grown woman, which I essentially I think is why he's ruled out of this one. But he kidnapped a woman at one point, um, got her into his house, tied her down, and had some setup going in his house, tied her down, and started taking her blood out through vials and then drinking that blood. And he was doing it over and over to her and was drinking her blood in front of her. She got out of his house. Yeah. And when they, when she got help, she was like crawling down the road and said, somebody, so they get her to the hospital. She had like 40, I don't remember the exact terms, but she was real close to death. I don't know how many, she had a ton of blood removed and was very close to death. So anyways, vampire killer ruled out. That is insane. If you are ever curious, go to Wikipedia and type in. In fact, I'm going to probably do this guy at some point. But type in his name and then look up a picture of him. There are no creepier men in this world than the vampire. I'm going I'm to do, do that. Here you I have to do it. Yeah. Um, he's gross. He was ruled out. <laughs> yeah, okay, I have so gross. many more. You should definitely do this case because I have so many questions that oh, I just want to yeah. ask you. But I'm like, it, yeah, total no, as soon as, spinoff. <laughs> as soon as they mention this guy, I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck. So then I look him up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I should do this guy. I'm like, yes. no, no. No focus. So, okay. So from here, after they rule out vampire rapist and all of the other above douchebags, the case goes cold for 40 years. 40? For, well, for almost 40. It was like 38, but yeah. 40 Jesus. years. Jesus. Okay. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until 2014 that cold case investigators announced that there was a break in the case and they had a new person of interest. A public statement was made that, and I think it was, I'm assuming it was the lead investigator on the case, but it might have just... Um, I should have known who he was in the picture, but he makes a public statement um, that the cold case squad was able to identify a man who was currently incarcerated as a convicted sex offender. And they had established that the man in question was at um, Wheaton Plaza the day that, um, or may have been there the day that um, the girls were there. This person, get ready for this, was a man named Michael Welch, also known as 
Le- Lloyd Lee Welch. Does that ring a bell? Wait a minute. If you recall, this is the same name of the previously mentioned witness from the false leads. So this is the guy who went back two weeks later or a week later to the guard at the mall and was like, I think I saw the girls with the guy. What? And so his, all of his statement was disregarded because it seemed real far-fetched, didn't seem real. He seemed kind of not truthful. Because he was talking about himself. Uh Well, this is when it, yeah, this is just, it's kind of go cray-cray. Okay, so as it turned out, Welch also perfectly fit the description given at the time by the friend who had confronted a man for paying too close attention to the sisters the same day at the mall. So one of their friends gives a statement. Unfortunately, somehow the connection was not made between her statement and the description of the man when Welch had made his own statement later. So there's no connection made that she makes a statement about a creepy guy and then a creepy guy comes and makes a statement. No connection. So there's that. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So by 2014, Welch had multiple charges of child molestation accounts and had been incarcerated since 1997 in Delaware. Delaware? Delaware. Delaware. Lloyd Welch was a ride operator for many years at a carnival company that moved all over the U.S. and set up small carnivals, often in the parking lot of local malls. Okay, grow mm-hmm. just, yeah, this guy's like, I get to be around kids all the time. You know all those mean jokes people make about carnies? Oh. He's just giving, he's yeah. the reason. Okay, so he worked at the carnival company with his then-girlfriend, Helen Carver. In 2013, when the cold case team decided to look further into the case of the missing sisters, Detective Chris Hamrock, I think that's his name, came upon a file statement and that had previously been disregarded. So there was the file that was of Lloyd that they had taken all of this information from him. They disregarded. About a week after the girls disappeared, and the same day that the newspaper printed a description of conservatively dressed man carrying briefcase with tape recorder Mm -hmm. so same day that briefcase man tape recorder man (laughs) brown suit man um is on the news or on the newspaper conveniently lloyd welch went back to the wheaton plaza found a security guard and gave a statement to that guard and then contacted who contacted police so he sees the newspaper and is like oh i'm gonna go set up a real good story oh about someone else okay so this, I mean, kind of, kind of smart. But kind of smart, but like as you're F going you. to see, this man is not—he's not smart. He's loony. Um, the statement was that Welch was at the plaza the day that the girls vanished and had seen the girls get into a vehicle. At minimum, Welch had witnessed the crime, according to the statement, because he had described the limp that the person had—the person that took the girls had a limp. Um, the person that he is describing is actually Raymond Molesky, if you remember him. Because um, at that point, he had not been ruled out, and I think his name was somewhere in the public. So he starts describing someone else. Okay. Okay. So eventually, investigators in 1975 gave Welch a polygraph test. Polygraph test? Yeah, polygraph test that he failed and then later dismissed his elaborate and overly detailed account as a lie and an attempt to insinuate himself into the story because so many other people had done that. So yes, as I'm reading this, I'm like, they just dismissed it? But then, of course, I had to go back and realize there were so many people. There's the ransom guy, there's all these false leads that 
his at least his information was kept in the file which is good but he wasn't looked into any yeah further. i mean there was psychics there's they were dealing with a lot yeah but jesus yeah so this right guy's, there uh-huh yeah he was sitting in their station at one point so eventually investigators um oh there's polygraph test okay there's that in 2013, when investigators got back into the case, they came upon um, the, it's a, some accounts say it's a one-page file, some accounts say it's a six-page file, but it's his, it's Welch's statements. Uh, they also found a deposit sketch that had been made from the friend who said, well, I saw a guy that I confronted because he was a creep, and they made the sketch of this guy. And then they compared it to Welch, um, the one that was made from him at the mall, to a burglary that Welch had in nineteen in the nineteen seventies, um, and they matched. They were able to match him just from a burglary mugshot. They were like, they were like, oh, well, this is a great sketch. Thirty eight years later, yeah, and that specific burglary happened to take place very close to the Wheaton Mall, Ugh. so just it all kind of starts falling into place as far as locations and details go. Um, and that's essentially how they were able to link him back to the case um, and shoot him right up to the top of the suspect list. So from here, detectives began working from a new angle. And after doing background work and planning an interview strategy, they had their first interview with Welch on October 16th, 2013. So that's how many years he's God. in jail at the time. So they're, they just get, they get their case set up. They're like, we're going to go talk to this guy. And they so many years later he's currently in jail for child molestation they're gonna go talk to him about some child abduction kidnapping situation so douchebag yeah it's just, just disgusting douchebag are you ready for this though oh god <laughs> his first recorded statement to them as they came in was i know why you're here you're here about those two missing girls that's it that's the first excuse thing me mm -hmm. yeah so right off the bat it's apparent that welch is a talker but also a liar and all of his stories weren't always easy to follow. He gives multiple statements about the day. And then at some point he states that no, um, that he no longer wants to cooperate. Because he's like, he just keeps giving different statements. They do a few different interviews. And he's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. He's just jerking them around. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Till the end, actually. So, um, and he, he keeps saying things like, well, if you have all this, why don't you just arrest me already? Eventually, because... He loved talking so much, is what I've discovered. <laughs> he decides to come to investigators again, or he asks he asks them to come back, and tells them he's ready to tell them the real full story. And that's in quotes. Yeah, I'm because guessing that we're not about to hear the I real story. I, here's what I'm going to say before the rest of it, but you're going to get this throughout whatever we have left to talk about, is that this guy wanted attention now. At this point, he's in jail. He's giving them different... He's going to start giving them the craziest stories. Some of them are true, or in, like, some puzzly way, th this is all true, which is kind of sad and scary. But it's... He he does a really good job of pointing the blame at other people. So, in the first session... In the first sessions with detectives Dave Davis and Chris Hamrock... Hamrock. Ooh, I like that last name. <laughs> I don't know. Shamrock? Maybe that's why. Okay. So in the first sessions with Dave Davis, Chris Hamrock, he starts off by saying that he followed the girls throughout the mall and, the, and then he even describes the flower shirt that one of the girls had on. But then he goes on to say that he witnessed his cousin, Thomas Welch, and his cousin's friend, who he didn't have a name for, with their arms around the sisters. 
And then from there, he left the mall, catches the bus, and doesn't see anything further. And then they're like, let's have another interview with him. And in this one, Welch goes on to describe the events that day, implicating that Thomas, so he implicates that Thomas is the one who does it. And then this time, he suddenly adds a new person into the mix and says it was his uncle, Richard Welch. My uncle cousin's brother. Uh, Sister's nephew. (laughs) Yeah. So... At first, I'm like, he's just naming off all the people that he knows. No, what he's doing is every time, he's giving new people that were actually there. From what I believe, yes. What? Uh-huh. So, so there's the interview where he says, uh, my cousin Thomas Welch was there, and uh, then my cousin, or my uncle Richard Welch was there. Then the next time, he insists that the crime had been planned and carried out, not by him, but his family members. Oh, I don't... Yeah. Okay. So, Welch, here's the here's one of the, like, full stories that he gave. Welch says that he and Thomas were in the mall that day, and at some point, they meet the Lion Sisters. He says that they all leave the mall together and get into his uncle's Ford station wagon, and then their uncle takes them all back to his uncle's house, which this is Richard that he's talking about. Okay. At the house the following day, Lloyd Welch goes on to state that he witnesses his uncle Richard engaging in sexual acts with one of the girls in a room in the basement of his uncle's house. He claims that the basement was kept closed up and locked and that the only person who has access to this lock is his uncle Richard Welch. He also states that he saw his uncle leave the house and go toward the river with two girls in the car. And at that, in this interview, that's, that's the last time he saw the girls. What? Okay. Uh-huh. This is just so many, like, twists and turns. It's like, just, I... he just, so, yeah. So, eventually during the investigation, detectives are led to start questioning more members of the Welch family because he's implicating that there's more. So, the main suspects eventually become... Um, all family members, which is Lloyd himself, his uncle Richard, his cousin Henry Parker, his niece Connie Akers, and Thomas Welch, who was the other cousin. These are not all of the people that are charged at the end. <laughs> like by the end of this, there are even more people charged. So it's just like a straight up family affair. Oh, girl. Oh my God. Okay, yeah, keep yeah. going. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, okay. So, in an interview, Henry Parker, which is one of the people that I previously just named, which is one of his cousins, Henry Parker corroborates a statement from his own sister, Connie, who is Welch's niece, that Lloyd showed up to the family property, uh, which is on Taylor's Mountain, I believe. He showed up to the family property in 1975 with two green large duffel bags and his girlfriend, Helen Carver. Graver? who was pregnant at the time. Not an important part of the story, but there he asked Connie to clean his bloody clothes. This is an important part of the story. There he asked Connie to clean his bloody clothes, and he claimed were... He said that his body and the bags were all bloody from ground beef that he had been carrying around in his bag, and um, she denied... she, She didn't want to clean them for him. Yeah, did you just cut up that ground beef from that animal you just killed in the back? Like, you don't what? have plastic to store them in? Like, well, how many hamburgers did you make? <laughs> it, like, how does that even make sense? You're just like, a bat. Like, okay, yeah, no. whatever. In everything I read about it, 
then and then right when they state except for of course wikipedia just is like and then there were some bags everywhere is like and then there were ground beef bags like here's the worst part henry goes on to describe that the duffel bags had brown stains on them and weighed about 60 pounds each you don't say weird zero okay eventually lloyd welch's nephew completely different person not named yet this is actually information i got from the podcast that i listened to today um this little bit of information felt necessary that his nephew someone different his name is wes i think comes forward to say that lloyd had recently told him that he and other family members had raped murdered and burned the bodies of the two lion sisters in the bonfire near the family's homestead on taylor's mountain oh my god disgusting awful horrible family people everything yes it's so strange so at some point lloyd even went on to say that he had watched his own father whose name is lee and his uncle richard commit the rape of the murders so what i'm doing is i'm just going to tell you the different stories that he's given this is another one he'd seen his father and his uncle commit the rape and murders in the basement at his uncle richard's house each of the different family members and other many others i don't even know if that they were all family eventually get interviewed and they go on to tell very ugly stories of being either victims or witnesses to inner family sexual assaults as well as implications of a child sex ring led by his uncle richard so fuck, it, fuck you richard <laughs> fuck you just the welch family in general not a fan like child se- incest child sex ring right so in some way, I think there is truth to all of these stories, but he keeps retelling different stories and he has. So I think somewhere in his conscience, he wants to tell everything that happened, but he does a really good, he, he just keeps spinning all these crazy stories. So that's literally my next line is, meanwhile, Lloyd is still spinning crazy story after crazy story about the Lion Sisters, always placing the blame on other members of his family. And it becomes very clear that his family was a legion of atrocious criminals. No matter which way or no matter which story you choose to believe, I think in some way they all have some sort of value. But they just, there were even more stories that I'm not, that I didn't even talk about. That there's just more family members and they're all just in some way hiding secrets from each other. Or some of them know. I I literally am thinking of like uh, the Hills Have Eyes, Mm -hmm. like a mountain of just crazy Crazy. ancestral creepy people yeah no that is what i kept picturing too i'm like okay Uh this is getting crazy (laughs) i was reading it i'm like oh we're almost over oh what the family what like i just kept ugh it was gross it's gross it's bad okay so now we're gonna flash forward to february of 2015 richard richard the uncle was summoned to appear before a grand jury When the prosecutor asked him whether he had any involvement in the Lion case, Richard firmly replied, God is my witness. No. When the prosecutor asked, did you transport both, one or both of these girls, Sheila and Kate Lyon, from the Wheaton Plaza to your residence? Richard replied no to this also. And when the prosecutor asked, do you have any explanation why people would say that you did? He responded, I should do this in my Richard voice. I don't know why I'm getting accused of them saying I did this and I done that. I haven't. So he just, nope, it's nope. But eventually, Pat, who's Richard's wife, would eventually be charged with organizing the family efforts to stonewall the investigation. And also Richard is charged at some point as well. 
I don't actually have the information here for how long Richard got, but I know that he also got time. Good. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. On May 2015, Dave Davis, one of those investigators, went looking for the place where Lloyd said his uncle Richard had killed and dismembered the girl's remains before stuffing them into the duffel bag. Right away, whenever uh, Dave Davis gets there, he realizes that the story does not add up. The houses that he's in all the different stories, he's talking about different houses, and um, he's saying that they weren't right. Whenever he drove, he just knew something something wasn't right about his stories. And he's like, well, he's lying again. Weird. Um, surprise. Surprise, surprise. So he drove to um, other locations described by Lloyd where other family members had lived, and these didn't match either. And he was about to lose hope when he drove to the last place mentioned by Welch, which was his own family home. And that's when he recognized it from pictures. It was the house where Lloyd's father, Lee, and his wife lived, which is 14, or not 14, 4714 Baltimore Avenue. This was the address that Lloyd had given when he made his original false statement, the very first story he told. Um, He says, described seeing his uncle pull out of the driveway with the Lyons sisters in his car heading toward the river. This made more sense as this house set away from the river. The location fit Lloyd's description perfectly. Once you saw that it was not the uncle's house and it was his father's and furthermore the house that Lloyd himself grew up in, it kind of starts to make sense. Just as Lloyd had always blamed everyone else for the spotlight in his stories, he also named someone else's house instead of instead of his naming own. his own house. Yeah. So this story is always about other people, but it's but he's talking about to himself? take the blame off of himself. Oh, so, okay. In the back of this house was a basement. And that's the same basement he talks about in his Uncle Richard's house from all these other. He pulls this basement up from the very get-go. But he's like, this is that. Remember his Uncle Richard's the only one who had the keys to this yeah, basement and all of that's... that? Okay, so you had to go outside, down the porch, and along the driveway to the backyard where the steps led down a padlock door. Both times that Lloyd had ever mentioned this basement, he described as someone else's house, but in both stories, it was a room that could be entered by walking around the house to the rear. And once investigators understood how Lloyd's mind worked, they knew without question that this was the place that this had happened. Although evidence was too degraded to trace any DNA, um, one room in the basement had significant enough evidence that Um, which the evidence was blood, that one of the detectives used the word slaughtered to describe the scene. Oh, my God. Yes. So one year later, in July 2015, Lloyd Welch, then serving a lengthy sentence in Delaware on a child molestation conviction, as previously mentioned, was indicted on first-degree felony murder for his alleged involvement in the deaths of Catherine and Sheila Lyon. He was also charged with the abduction and intent to defile. The location of any remains of the Lion sisters' bodies is still unknown. That's he, like, won't, he's been... He still won't. Even, well, I think another part of it is that they burned them, and oh. so there probably aren't remains, and I think there really were, it was obviously not ground beef in those bags that day when he showed up to, I think he killed them at his mom's house, or, sorry, his parents' house in the basement. I think he went to his family because his family clearly had some incest things going on. They had this deep, all of that is reportedly quote-unquote true 
he went out to his family's, showed up, and had these two bags with him and was like, hey, will you guys wash my clothes and burn these bags? And they're like, no. But then one of them. Oh, I'm sure it was probably Richard. Yeah. Like a Richard, Richard controller of the sex ring. Exactly. sex ring. So he helps, he or whoever helps burn them. And anyone that was there does end up getting charged. But there, whenever um, the last part of the podcast that I had listened to had some recording of uh, an officer saying that there was, they believe, a huge family conspiracy to cover this up or to cover up everything that was going on with that family. Well, yeah, they're probably, he shows up with bodies and he, Richard's like, yeah, this isn't the worst thing we've done. Yeah, yeah, right, at that point. Yeah, Jesus. who knows if the part where his dad is involved with the two girls, there's also a pool table, says that all this happens on a pool table. Like, all the details are so all over the place. And pretty much we're done here. And the last thing that I say is that, basically, if Welch had been brought to trial with or had Welch been brought to trial with the girls' bodies entered into evidence, it would have been the longest time to have elapsed between a murder and the trial in a bodiless murder conviction. Ultimately, in September of 2017, that's so recent, Welch pleaded guilty to two counts first-degree murder for the abduction and killing of Catherine and Sheila Lyon in 1975. Unfortunately, no one knows where their bodies are. That is... And that's that. Isn't that just crazy? I just, when I first started reading it, I was like, okay, this is kind of crazy. This is weird. And then it just, there was next layer and next layer. And by the end of it, I'm like, okay, this guy is still shouldn't be trusted. But somehow the investigators just knew to start reading between whatever he was saying. Yeah. Like every story he told the little lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember you had mentioned this story to me. (sighs) And you had like started telling me some of the details. And it was just... I couldn't wrap my head around it, and I still can't really wrap my head around it. This yes. is insane. It's insane. It's insane. I didn't know about it. I'm glad that I did, I or that I learned about it. It was heavy, and that's why I'm like, okay, well, this week I'm just going to have to tell a real sad story. So they weren't found. He was, though, and he was put to trial for their death. Well, mine's not going to be any better. So Super duper. <laughs> Alright, so that was it for my awful, awful case. I keep calling them crimes, but they're cases. They're not crimes. I mean, they're, they're crimes. I mean, they're both. They're so. bad. It was bad. What are you doing this week? I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that mine's going to be much better. Oh, cool. Um, so that's why we did do the disclaimer that it it's a little heavy this week. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we started a true crime podcast, and we're probably just going to be sad about stuff a lot but yeah I mean I'm gonna find some you should get used to it I'm gonna find some good ones hey we try to keep it light though (laughs) yep 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 yep. (laughs) hard to do around here (laughs) okay uh so this week I will be covering a case um it's gonna be of Wesley Allen Dodd who is known to be one of the most gruesome and evil child murderers of all time somehow I've never heard of him so he uh I'm going to get into this, but he's from the Washington area. Um, He was born on July 31st, 1961 in Topenish, Washington, Mm -hmm. to Jim and Carol Dodd. He was the oldest of three, and it is said that his younger siblings were usually favored over him, but, I mean, who who really knows? I mean, it's probably his saying they yeah. they love them more it's like okay well you're just fucked up yeah. um but <laughs> wesley i love you less because of that <laughs> wesley um was not abused by his parents by any means but they never said the word i love you on either side yeah. so so 
could potentially make for a cold person but yeah yeah i mean always yeah that guy that climbed a bunch of there is a hulu movie about that rock climber that climbs with his hands can't think he has huge hands his parents never said i love you either and he is a nice man so <laughs> don't, I have no idea I think anything it, that you're talking about, but okay, I'll find out what it's called. I just watched it with my husband, Travis. And, <laughs> Hi, Travis. Yeah, shut up. And his parents, he's like a super. So I think what that can make is an intense man, but not always a murderer. Okay, okay. Or a bad person. All I think about is just how you were just grabbing your hands right now. Well, They're his like, his it hands are no, huge. It's his fingertips. He kept like waving his Ew, hands like in the video. Calloused. Yeah, and no, no, they just oh, were beautiful man hands. <laughs> yes, I was like, how is his fingertip so strong? Travis is like, well, he holds himself up on his fingertips. Okay. That's why. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, going on. Okay, so back to Don. Yeah. I'm gonna call him Don. Other heartless person. But... Yes, this asshole. Um, so he was 13 when he first defended. He did so by exposing himself to children in the neighborhood. Okay, and he was how old? He was 13. Right, right. Yeah, so he would stand up in the upstairs window naked, mm-hmm. but covering his face. <laughs> because you can't see this, no one but you has can see any that. idea that I live here. <laughs> right. Um, so he would do that while younger children walked by. Eventually, one of the children reported the flashers to the authorities and notified the parents. And basically, everybody was like, well, boys will be boys, and oh. he's going to do what he's going to do. That's a, a, a term that should have gone away long ago was, boys will be boys. Boys will be Mm-mm. boys. Mm-mm. So <laughs> after he realized that exposing himself would um, from his own house could get him in trouble, how, he, how did he not think of that before? <laughs> he's like, nobody's going to know where to find me. No, you're at your house. Closes his curtains. <laughs> they right. don't know now. <laughs> He's like, cover your face. Who knows? Um, so he decided he would, in his words, take the show on the road. Right. He would ride his bike around looking for boys under the age of 10 to expose himself to. Oh, I know. That's so sad. Um, so I, I'm gonna, just going to throw this out here. I was a, a little almost uncomfortable doing this case because Miss Veronica has a four-year-old son. I have a kid who's under 10. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so I was like, ooh. ooh. Um, but anyways, I mean, shout out. Hi, Lincoln. Crime happens. <laughs> oh, hi, Lincoln. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Please. Okay. Um, so he said he primarily targeted younger boys because they didn't report him as much as girls did. Right. Yeah. Because boys. Yeah, because boys will be boys and they... <clears throat> that... that term again <laughs> i should stop saying that but yes. um but well and i'm saying that that's what they thought back then or i don't even know if that's what they thought but I'm apparently wondering. it was okay for him to whip out his it was a dude thing could you imagine if girls just whipped it out <laughs> hey. casually the way that men do at like a party or something where guys like whoop i'm naked now <laughs> and then a girl's like whoop me too <laughs> silence yeah exactly <laughs> like i've been Wouldn't to go. a party where and i'm not gonna say any names because you may or may not know these people <laughs> probably do uh, <laughs> so they literally were like hey destiny and just pulled down their pants and oh. i was like oh my god i'm pretty sure i'm married to one of them <laughs> no no no, no. Oh, okay. it was not your husband. <laughs> oh, okay. and this is not in like an creepy or awkward way just so everybody knows like our friends are very comfortable with each other um, and themselves apparently <laughs> and they're okay with themselves and it was like a drunk and nobody was trying to come at anybody it was just like a weird joke but this that happened so anyway because men are that way i'm pretty sure they don't go home and talk about it and that's probably what those i mean a the little boys were probably freaked out 
be. Yeah, because they were like, mm, saw another, saw well, some I'm, junk. I'm I guess fine. it's one thing when you're like with your friends mm-hmm. and what, and you're like changing or you're just like, <laughs> look at me. Yeah. But when it's like a random kid you don't know and they're that just like, just look, rides at my, up. look at my Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> my Johnson. Hopefully <laughs> that's not what he calls it. <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, so he quickly escalated from being a peeping Tom Mm -hmm. to molestation. Oh, cool. So So, he went from Johnson showing, then he was a peeping Tom, and now just boom into molestation. Oh, shit, no peeping Tom. Oh, I was like, what? No peeping Tom. Oh, showy Tom. (laughs) Yeah, showy Tom, showy Tom, not a peeping Tom. Okay, okay. Probably a peeping Tom, too, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, But so he went into his first uh, molestation, which took place when he was 14. Cool. Shortly after not his cool. parents, I mean, yeah, not cool. Um, and it was shortly after his parents' divorce, so that definitely could have been a, a triggering trigger. factor into it. Um, he molested his eight-year-old cousin in the closet, and then later that day, her six-year-old brother. Same day. Cool. Same, literally same day. Then a few weeks later, another cousin. Because he's like, let's just keep you guys close. Yeah. Well, it's who he had access to he's yeah, probably definitely. hanging out at family parties and Ugh, gross just gross um so shortly after that sticking so close to home he molested his dad's girlfriend's children super um, super it was oh. super it was not super um i can only assume that honestly none of these children's told any adults right um which the only like psyche that i can think of behind it is that they thought it was something they weren't supposed to be doing and when you're a kid it's something you're not supposed to be doing so you just don't tell your parents right yeah like, yeah and i'll get into that also a i bit. broke a plate Ooh, i'm not gonna tell mom also i saw or someone yeah i think that's where it starts that none of them said anything that's just crazy yeah it's insane um and so sad. he continued to molest children and find ways to be around them becoming a babysitter to local kids in the neighborhood and seeking jobs that would put him in direct contact with children he even became a camp counselor Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like who the kids go to for safety. Exactly. And then he had jobs like working in fast food. At the beginning, he didn't use force. He mentioned that he's done it with other kids and the other kids liked it. Overall, just making the molestation seem like it was a game. He used games like strip poker, going skinny dipping, things like that. Like talking them into it and himself into it. Yeah, yeah. And he did mention to the kids that your parents do things like this. So, it's so I'm just fine. yeah, I'm teaching you how to do this oh. now. And he probably was like, "This is a thing for adults, but I'll show you how to do it." Something along those lines. Like, Ugh. look, yes, just sicko. Super normalizing it. Yeah, like, he exactly. knew the terminology. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he. We'll get into. We'll keep going. Ugh. So by the age of 15, Dodd had been arrested for exposing himself, but he didn't receive any jail time. The authorities recommended juvenile counseling. Okay, fine. I'll let it slide this time. Which would become a common occurrence for cool. this guy. He yes. is, I cannot explain how much he slips through every, everything. Ugh. They just never, I mean. Well, if, well, I mean, even yeah. from standing in his house, exposing himself at 13, that's where, as a parent, I'd be like, okay, just a few concerns. I'm going to address these for the rest of his life. Let's talk boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Starting with the neighbor kids. Exactly. And your genitalia. And your cousin. <laughs> Put <Anyways>. Johnson away. <laughs> Johnson go bye-bye. Okay. Um, so once Dodd hit 18, he didn't have as much access to the kids that he had been molesting previously. Because he was an adult. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. He started going on what he called uh, nude excursions. So <laughs> these are, he would get naked and go, like, at nighttime, and go, like, frolic in playgrounds and parks. I can't get like, it. But I, I'm guessing he was getting, like, some sexual... Just getting off on yeah, being was... in a place that they were at one point. Yeah, yeah, but he was doing that and there wasn't even kids around i mean it was nighttime i'm he maybe he did it during the day but it wasn't ever reported like sprinklers are going off or something yeah he's like put your johnson away (laughs) johnson get out (laughs) um so he shortly realized that if he was molesting children not known to him that he could use more force well duh Uh, yeah i mean not duh does the wrong word but yeah, just, just ugh. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So, in 1981, he attempted to abduct two girls, but once again was not arrested. And, yeah, he just wasn't arrested. And then a few weeks later, he enlisted in the Navy. As you do. Yep. After just, doing uh, bad crime. Yep. Just, okay, well, here I am. So. so, he would often prey on the kids that lived on the base and travel up to the Seattle area, frequenting arcades and movie theaters. He would usually make the contact with them in restrooms. When you're the most vulnerable. Yeah, completely. I mean, you're away from your parents. And then and there's a the dude in the bathroom. Yeah, just like creepy. Well, I mean, he was probably only 18, so Ugh. it could have been. It's can, I mean, in there's a theater, a obviously, mm-hmm. it's fine. But, like, in an arcade, it's like, oh, just an 18-year-old there's boy. kid here. Yeah. Well, so during one of these outings, he was arrested after offering to pay a child $50 to go back to his hotel with him to play strip poker. Okay. Fifty dollars. Yeah, that's not something you've ever done. <laughs> no. Okay. No. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. We're, um, we're good people. <laughs> after being apprehended, he admitted that he his plans were ultimately to molest this child. Cool. Yeah. Guess what? The charges were just dropped. Oh. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't have any reasoning behind it. I couldn't find anything. I looked into it because I was child. like, "Excuse me, what do you mean you just dropped it?" But they were just dropped. Super. I'm going to keep saying cool and super, and I mean the opposite. It is not cool. It is not super. No. Um, So Dodd was arrested a following time for attempted indecent liberties, which I looked up, and the definition is exposing one's private parts to children with sexual intent. Super. Weird. Yeah. Weird. You're doing this again. So this is while he's in the Navy? This is while, yeah. This is while he's in the Navy. So for this, he received 19 days in jail and was told to go get some counseling once again. Counseling again. Yeah. Okay. Get that damn counseling, Dodd. For your Johnson. (laughs) For your goddamn Johnson. (laughs) Um, So this ultimately led to him being discharged from the Navy. Okay. But I want to point out, he was not dishonorably discharged. He was just discharged. He was just discharged. Okay. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So in 1984, Dodd was arrested for molesting a 10-year-old boy. And guess what? The judge gave him a suspended year sentence. What? He did not get jail time again. Nope. Which, for anybody that doesn't know, a suspended sentence is probation. Um, so he was also pulled over twice during that for driving with a suspended license. Oh, this guy is just I told crazy. you. He just, like, is getting away with everything. He's on a, a different human level and no one's noticing it. Yeah. Is what's happening. Um, yeah, honestly. Which, and it just keeps going like this. So this guy just continued and continued to offend. I'm not even kidding. He would move into apartment complexes that had significant amounts of children. He would literally stake them out and be like, this one has a lot of kids. I'm going to go here. Gosh, that is so scary. Yeah. yeah, It's very terrifying. And he even ended up taking 
a job as a charity truck driver where he would write down addresses of kids that he was interested in with the intent to return. What? Yeah, yeah. So he was just so he was driving a truck for charity for a charity to like give th- give goods. Yeah, yeah, and then he would remember. Oh man. Yeah. So he and this literally just took up his whole entire life, like where he lived, what he was doing, his job, living, like yeah. everything. He was. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. He needed to be put away. So so he needed to be put away when he was showing himself at thirteen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So around this time is when he offended his neighbor's children. Who were four and two. Oh, no. Oh, Four no. and fucking two. Two and four. It's just appalling to me to even think about something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the mother found out, she did not pursue any legal action. Why? Because, because she didn't want to traumatize her children. What? No, no. No, no. Your kids are traumatized. Yes. There's they no... are already... And yeah, like, what the hell, lady? Like, yeah, you, they're no. already traumatized. Trust me. This is, and now they're like, oh, well, this guy is just going to keep on going. So after all of this went down, Dodd moved to Seattle. At this point, he literally said he felt invincible, which why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Because he is at yeah. this point. He has literally he gotten is. away with, like, the most he's done in jail is, like, I don't know, not very long. Yeah, not long um, enough for it to matter. And he decided that he would not take no from an, as an answer anymore. And he was just going to be forceful with any child that he came into contact with, basically. All right. Um, and that's when he was started abusing his roommate's two-year-old son, who was partially deaf and could not speak. Oh. This guy's awful. Awful. Oh. And so when he resisted, the two-year-old did resist, which, good for this two-year-old, but he tied his uh, hands down with a bathrobe and just started assaulting him. Oh, no. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Claiming that the idea of force was exciting. Uh, well, I'm sure it was. I'm yeah. sure that was a God, true claim, Like, it just talk. Uh, okay. No, I, this is. This I feel is, like I've done uh, a yeah. million times. But this, yeah, no, this is the next, this is why moms are scared as yeah, moms. Yeah, 100%. This person in the world. The and this isn't even the even if, worst part. Even if there's only one of him in the world, the fact that he existed is why we're afraid. Exactly. Yeah, I could. Grown men, there's a reason that we have to put boundaries I cannot. Yeah. So in 1987, Dodd found a child that he wanted to murder. Okay. He tried to trick the kid into going in to look for another lost boy with him. Um, How old is he at this point? Just a grown man? Uh, he's like 19, 20. Oh, cool. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Around there. Yeah. Um, so they went to look for this lost little boy. Uh, the child wasn't comfortable, so he told Dodd that he was going to go back to his house and get toys for this lost boy mm-hmm. and ended up telling his mom like hey this guy's so trying. the first like red flag child yeah he's like hey this guy's trying to get me to go here well besides the two girls that were assaulted right or that well, were almost kidnapped almost yeah right so they, um <sighs> jesus <there's laughs> so, so many they called the police and dodd finally received some time in jail sometimes so 118 days in jail because technically no true crime he was just trying to lead a kid somewhere yeah yeah um and then one year probation god damn it so in 1989 dodd moved to vancouver and once again way too close to home yeah um and started frequenting david douglas park uh referring he referred to the park so he ended up having diaries which you will hear me quote oh Yes. Uh, yes. Not a... yes. So he, in in quote, 
Good place for rape and murder, or kidnap, rape, and murder. A good hunting ground. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Okay. So okay. this is where he would find two brothers, William Near, who was 10, and Cole Near, who was 11. After a long day of looking for the right kids to attack, Dodd came across the brothers and forcefully grabbed the boys and made them follow him to an isolated location, where he made them stand back to back so he could tie their hands to get to one another. Okay. So, yeah. He then made them take off their pants and started molesting them. They pleaded for him to stop, but he continued and promised that when he was done, they could return home. So I don't have this in here, but he actually only molested the older brother. The younger brother, or from what I read at least, mm-hmm. um, the younger brother was so distraught and so upset mm-hmm. that the brother, the older brother, took off his pants first and Ugh. was like, basically me, like, don't like hurt my brother. Oh, um, oh, this is this is yeah. dark. This is it's real awful. dark. Uh, Man, I thought mine was heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. This was, was a, not this a lot was, of details. This is awful. awful. Um, so Dodd later told police that once he um, had them take off their pants, he knew that he couldn't let them go, that he had to kill them mm-hmm. because it could tie back to him. Well, it's the same. They've seen me. They know too much. I have to get rid of mm-hmm. the people that know. 100%. So Dodd stabbed William in the stomach. When he was done abusing him and Cole lunged to run away, he stabbed Cole two more times and then, or he stabbed William two more times and, and then ran after Billy. Okay. Um, so right before Billy reached the road, Dodd caught him and stabbed him twice more. Then Dodd fled the scene. Mm -hmm. Billy was soon discovered because he was pretty close to To the road. Yeah. Um, and taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. When authorities received a call later on from a father whose two sons did not make it home, they searched the park and found his, his, brother. Yeah, his brother's body. Mm-hmm. Um, although there was a few witnesses that said, hey, I saw this creepy dude like lurking around because mm-hmm. he had been like there all day and like the it day before. It just becomes obvious. Yeah. Matter. And they wouldn't connect on to the murders until later unfortunately um yeah so there's more yeah unfortunately i'm just gonna tune out and you're just gonna talk (laughs) i'm just gonna go because you can't um Uh, having a four-year-old son changes this story well and that's why i told you level but yes yeah um so overall dodd was pretty frustrated that he didn't get as much time as he wanted to with the near brothers Mm mm-hmm so, once the death settled, um, Dodd was ready to abduct, molest, and kill again. Right. He did it. He was like, all right, no one caught me. I'm good to go. Yes. Right. So, uh, um, I sent you the picture, or you have oh. the pictures. So, you have the pictures of the two the two brothers. Um, Is that the then, picture in the middle, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And okay. then... Which we'll post for you guys. You can. We'll definitely. Okay, make sure so that this you can is the the first ones that he killed in the forest, right? Yes, and oh, so they're then, so cute. <laughs> I know. God, it's awful. Um, so it's awful because no matter what, when you see a kid, your brain, or maybe it's when you see a person, your brain wants to reference them to someone that you know. So like. When I'm seeing the other pictures, my brain instantly is like, I don't know who this guy looks like. You see these kids and you want to reference them to kids that you know and it makes it that much more heartbreaking. Just associating them with somebody. Just, yeah. And they're kids and that's how we associate sadness as we go to what we know and those boys 
Yeah, I know, and they're adorable. Um, Poor boys. But finding that murder, he found that murder gave him more pleasure than molesting. Okay. So that's because he's awful. He's a terrible human. So after... Some people find that dark chocolate gives them more pleasure than milk chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Those are the kind of people that are fine. And then there's this guy. Then there's this guy. So after a full day of looking for a child to abduct, um, because he was just ready to go again, basically. Mm -hmm. So on October 29th, he went to Richmond High School, or Richmond's, it was just a school, um, with a playground, where he abducted four-year-old Lee Isley. Okay. Which, you also have that picture, and I told... The palm tree boy! (laughs) The palm tree boy. He looks just like my brother. And... Just, it's hard not to, like, my son has had a haircut similar. My, you know, yeah. I, my son is four. Yeah, yeah. He's just a bright-eyed, oh, I'm sorry, they look like a brother, too. <laughs> no, it's Golly. completely fine. It's awful. But, so, this is just going to get a lot darker. Um, but I'm going to click off of his picture real quick. <laughs> yes, so minimize, I can't minimize. see his face. Any of the, ugh. Um, so, Lee's brother was playing in a different area of the park, so they went to the park together, um, and Dodd walked up to Lee and said, hey, your dad sent me to pick you up, and you come with me. And Lee was, like, kind of hesitant. He was like, no, like, I'm not going to go with you, um, but eventually did. And he just kind of knew how to calm down children because he had been offending for so long. Since he was 13, yeah. and when he started, nobody was telling. So, obviously, he knew how to calm him down from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So they ended up going back to his house um, where he told him to take off all of his clothes, tied him to the bed with ropes, and then started molesting him. Moving on. Yes. I gotta get Uh, out of this. (laughs) So afterwards, he took him to Kmart to buy him toys. So he took him out in public, and then they went to McDonald's. Okay. Um, So at this point, he's like, I have a pet. This is mine now. Yeah, well, and that was the biggest thing with, like, the Near Brothers is he was, he just wanted to spend more time. Mm -hmm. He wanted to put more thoughts into this. freaked out because, duh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, so with this one, he's like, we're going to go back to my house. So once they got back to his place, um, he wrote in his journal about the day that they had and the intentions that he had had. for him. Uh Um, So, quote from his diary, he suspects nothing now. I will probably wait until morning to kill him. That way his body will be fresh for experiments after work. Oh, no. I'll suffocate him in his sleep when I wake up for work. If I sleep. His body will be fresh for experiments? Experiments. So this guy, he never really did any experiments or anything like that. Um, But it was, he in his diary, he did elaborate about wanting to, I don't know what kind of experiments, but conduct experiments and also eat the genitals Uh, of his uh, victims. uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's the worst of the Next worst. Next level. In um, fact, I don't think I've ever hated anyone more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's insane. I know a lot about murder, and I um, so far... You wait until you get to this. Wait, just wait. That night, he continued to molest Lee, and then started to strangle him. Once he stopped breathing, he revived him. Oh, okay. So he could tie a rope around his neck and hang him in his closet. Why do you have all the details for this? So this is the... I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. I, I'm gonna have to go home and watch... I have, like, kind of giggling because I'm uncomfortable. Yes. I apologize. No, that's, that's, that is um, the natural reaction to this. But, either we cry or we laugh. So We're not we, gonna cry here. We're not crying. No. Um, so, making sure to document the moment, 
he took photos of him in the closet too. Okay, I'm hoping to God that comes back to haunt him. Okay, okay, I'm only I'm only just spoiling your story because I'm pissed. (laughs) No, I get it. I told you when I saw the picture of the little boy, I almost started crying. I I need. I don't know if I can do this. I need to point out that when I came into Destiny's house today, I walked in, I eat some food, and she's like, "Hey, I'm doing a real heavy one. There's little kids in it, and I'm so sorry." And here is my real reaction to why I hate people. All people. Not all, all people. Not you I love guys. some people. I love you, my husband. Oh, my four-year-old son. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, so moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he went to work like nothing happened. After work, he disposed of Lee's body. Honestly, at this point, I was like, thank God this little boy doesn't have to go through anything mm-hmm. else. I was thinking that for the first kids and the... the just that the last yeah. thing that they the, their life some people die in the hospital when they're old and those little boys died in the forest running away from a man yeah and watching like your other brother get attacked and murdered and uh, god yeah. awful um, so bad. he disposed of Lee's of Lee's body at a paper plant that was near where he worked in Vancouver um, he burned all of Lee's belonging besides his Ghostbuster underwear oh mm mm. That he kept mm-hmm. in a briefcase under his bed. Okay. Okay. Did they did they cut his penis off before they killed him? <laughs> Honestly, the is he not dead? Okay. Okay. We're gonna keep going. Shoot. Um, <laughs> so on November 11th, he went to a local movie theater. Why are we doing this? <laughs> this is so. <laughs> Veronica's okay. reevaluating everything that we've done. So Forget. Um, Can we so go this back is... to the guy who put people in acid things? <laughs> I would appreciate it. Next week's, let's make it a lot lighter. Yeah, we'll talk I mean, about... can it be light? I, I almost just said, we'll talk about dog crimes. Like, that's happy. No, I no. meant like dogs committing crimes. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, this, okay. this is unraveling quickly. I'm no. <laughs> upset. I'll stop talking. Um. So on November 11th, this is only like what, 13, 12, 13 days later, mm-hmm. he went to a local movie theater in hopes to abduct another boy. He sat in the back of the theater and waited for the right moment. <laughs> James, a young boy, got up um, to head to the bathroom and Dodd followed him out. Once in the bathroom, he grabbed James and threw, he, so Dodd grabbed James, threw him over his shoulder and started to exit the theater. Mm-hmm. James started to yell, um, just screaming, like, help me, help me, help me. And Dodd repeated, calm down, son, it's fine. Uh, Calling him his son, so mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, I'm just a- throwing a fit. This man is going to be the reason that I'm going to walk Lincoln to the bathroom no matter where we are until he's 12. He's going to be like, my mom's a weirdo. I'm be like, you're safe. You're safe. <laughs> okay, I'll there's be no, here when you're done. There's a helicopter mom. I'm, I am, as this podcast progresses, I'm becoming a helicopter mom. I was fine. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Dang it. So, okay. Dodd frantically ran um, towards his car, holding James just super close to him. The employees of the movie theater ran after him, so oh. they suspected. So they were, they were like, like, "This, is like, this okay. isn't we- this is weird." Yeah. Um, once Dodd got to his car, he like struggled to get his keys, and James broke free and ran to the movie theater, um, oh. like the manager of the theater. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yes. Um, so the theater manager and James went back in to try to find his mom. Mm-hmm. And because he was like, that's not the... I, well, yeah. he literally ran up to her and was like, that guy was going to hurt me. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and yeah, he, what else I believe, would you think? Yeah, and he was six. Mm-hmm. So a oh. little bit older, but oh, God. Um, so while this was all happening, the mom's boyfriend, William Ray Graves, 
um, heard the commotion outside, heard just a bunch of people like screaming, freaking out, Mm -hmm. um, and went to see what was going on. When he was told what happened, um, the person that told him what happened also said, we saw this guy get in this car. And it was like Mm -hmm. a yellow Pinto wagon or whatever. Pinto wagon. Pinto. It was some kind of wagon. Um, There's a picture of it. I'll send you that later. But he took off on foot. He was like, fuck this guy. And just starts like running after him. And the guy like the work there? No, the, so it's the, the guy, the boyfriend, Mm -hmm. the mom's boyfriend. Uh So he ran after, like, was like, which way did he go? And like ran after him on foot. Okay. I mean, that feels like a natural reaction. Yeah, like. Fuck I this mean, guy. Yeah, I'm gonna get him. Uh-huh. Thank God, mm-hmm. his car broke down. Oh, his car broke down on the same street, on the side of the street. <laughs> so once um, he goes by Ray, so once Ray walked up to the car, mm-hmm. he offered to help Todd. He's, He's like, like hey. "Hey, dude!" And apparently, like obviously, his nerves were just like insane. I mean, yeah, and also your car's broken. You're stuck in it. What are you gonna do? Well, no, I'm saying like Ray's because Ray knew like oh, this Ray. is the guy that tried to duck. Oh, he's playing it cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's he's true. like, hey, do you need help? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this... he is who we all want to be. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Uh-huh. I couldn't. I'd be like, I'm gonna kill yeah. you. Anyways, so once Ray had the chance and well and Dodd was like, Oh, I guess, yeah, like I could use help. Mm-hmm. Ray once he got out of the car, Ray um put him in a headlock. Cool. And, like, grabbed him and just, like, struggled him all the way back to the movie theater. Oh. Um, oh. So his car didn't even get far at all. No. Right? No, yeah. it was right down the road. Um, and he... Probably put him in a headlock. <laughs> made him just choked him out a little bit. Yeah. Carries him back. He's like, I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> um, so he put him in a chair and tied him up with a belt and told him... In it, at the at the at the movie, movie theater. theater? He's sitting at the movie theater, like, tied up. Yeah. And he's like, you have just been detained. We're going to get the cops. Good. Dude, he is a shining light in this story. <laughs> yes, he For me. really is. And that little kid that knew to like, so apparently the mom had been really nervous and mm-hmm. like told them if anything happens like this, because it was in the same areas where So the, probably the reports and, were. Yeah, so he was like, if anything ever happened like this, make sure that you're screaming, <sighs> you're freaking out, you're biting them. Like she you're, probably heard the reports, and then her son got abducted by probably the exact person that was exactly, on the news. And exactly. And knew what to do. Um, so, uh, the cops came. Dodd apparently just looked at the ground the whole entire time. Like, okay, you guys caught me. Well, Uh, yeah, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't operate as a normal human. There's, oh, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. Yeah, not at all. Um, so after about an hour in custody, he obviously at first just denied everything, but he admitted to his involvement in Cole, Billy, and Lee's deaths. Um, he started explaining the molest- molestation, the torturing, the murders that he committed. Apparently, like, he was finding joy in reliving all this experience. Well, yeah, absolutely. In I'm, front of, and the cops were just like, you just wait till I talk about Ted Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the type of killer he was. He got the opportunity to relive it when he's recanting it. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's he probably disgusting. got so hyped up. That's not uncommon. That they just talk about it, and then all of the officers are like, and for some reason, they were getting really excited. That's what gets them off, Uh disgustingly enough. And they live, apparently, to only be getting off. Like, there's no in between for them. Yeah. So, the authorities searched his home and found, thank God, an unused torture rack. He Uh, built a torture rack. Oh, man. Which, I mean... How did they confirm it's unused? Well, I guess... 
I just no bodily fluids or probably any skin or any. I know it's <laughs> gross. Um, so awful. Uh, but then they found newspaper articles about the crimes and a briefcase full of incriminating evidence, such as Polaroids of his victims, specifically Lee, mm-hmm. yep. that had him like in the closet mm-hmm. while he after oh, he was hung, oh, like uh. him while he was abusing him, him sleeping, him playing with toys, just him naked, tied up in the bed. Ugh, yeah, I, literally, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, and they found his everywhere. diary okay. detailing everything he did and everything he planned to do in the future. Okay. So ultimately, Dodd was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and attempted kidnapping. There was no trial because he pled guilty. Right. Um, but a jury had to decide whether to give him the death penalty or not. After the jury heard the diary entries and saw the photos implicating Dodd's brutalities against Lee... They asked for the death penalty. And on July 15th, 1990, Dodd was sentenced to death. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank so you. there's one more part in this that really just fucking irks me, um, which I will get to. But okay. after the sentence, Dodd asked to die of hanging because that was how Lee Isley died. Okay. Lee, the kid he killed. Right. That's so how he, he died. Wanted... He wanted to die how he died. And no, 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 no. Sorry, homie, but... There's just another way for you to get off before you go. Hell no. Guess how he died. Did they hang him? They literally God fucking hung damn him. Damn it. Yeah. They, they're like, okay, well. If you say if so. this is how you want to die. So he. No, fuck he, you, dude. He, he went out getting off. Yeah. That's absolutely. The absolute worst. <sighs> um, so before. So let every mother hit you with a car a few times. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. got real aggressive. I'm, not, I'm not even a mom. And I'm like. This guy. Yeah. I'm going to no. murder him for every mom I know. You just have to be a good human to know that this this is next level of not okay. Yeah, no. So he asked to be put, basically, basically be killed as soon as possible. And he, this is a quote. I must be executed before I have an opportunity to escape or kill someone within the prison. If I do escape, I promise you I will kill and rape and enjoy every minute of it. Ugh. I wonder if we should start taking a tally for the quotes that we're going to start saying for murderers, rapists, all that stuff. How often they say that, that they just know they're going to do it yeah, again. Yeah, I'm just going to keep doing it. But that being said, he was scheduled, they scheduled his death for January 5th, 1993. So anybody I'm sure that follows any kind of like death penalty, that's pretty fucking quick. That's mm-hmm. like three years yeah like usually it takes years and years and years Mm -hmm. especially now yeah um so after dodd was sentenced he continuously reached out to the media of course he did telling them that he would give them all the information on the heinous crimes he committed and even ended up writing a fucking pamphlet on how to keep kids safe from predators like him oh no yeah so he (laughs) right like fuck you dude like just keep rubbing it in everybody's face that you're just the biggest piece of shit ever i mean on on the flip side of it i understand in his brain because he's just a weirdo he's just thinking all right i'm locked up i know i'm bad i know there's other people like me i'm gonna help people but just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to hear what the you rest have to of say. us a favor. You did really bad stuff that we already know about. Shh. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. What she said. <laughs> so he appeared on a few TV shows such as Sally, Jesse, Raphael, mm-hmm. and a CNN Love special. Her. 
<laughs> uh, did, when I was like five. She's <laughs> my favorite. Long time ago. Um, did multiple radio interviews and overall just was reliving his crimes by telling them to different people repeatedly. Right. So thank God this judge is like, no, 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 no. Stop. He was like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. He was like, if you keep doing this, like going out to the media, everything like that, um, you're going to have all your lockdown restrictions. No phone, no mail, no nothing. And so eventually it did die down. Um, and then before his execution, Don finally did maybe, who knows if this is real, show remorse and said, I've confessed all my sins. I believe that the Bible teaches I'll go to heaven. I have doubts, mm. but I'd really like to believe that I would be able to go up to the three little boys and give them a hug and tell them how sorry I was and be able to love them with a real true love. And have no desire to hurt them in any way. I bet you did want to hug those little boys again. Yeah, like, fuck you. <laughs> in his final statement, he's still talking about little boys. Exactly. No, bro. Do what you, you want. You in hell. You word that how you want to, but no. You're disgusting. So, I mean, just, it's way, way too little, way too late. It's just mm-hmm. way too not okay. Um, it's just not acceptable. But, positive, 1205, January 5th. Wesley Dodd died. Good. Ugh, by hanging. By hanging. I do have by hanging, and I wasn't yeah. going to read it because it's so sad. Um, but he did die by hanging. So I mean, that's that's just so, like, I would be like, this is how you want to die? Well, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to Sorry, you want. Is, you is that still an option, by the way? To choose? Yeah. I don't. I'm is it just, maybe is it like just a, all, quote, humane deaths where they just give you injection and then you die is it always by lethal injection probably should i know now. the answer to this we should look this up yeah can you just kill them by hanging do you get the Ugh. i'm sorry but just take just put them all out the same way if so Gr- granted i know it's controversial should you put them all out but a mom just got killed little babies so yeah I, well and like i think what really just got me a lot more in this case besides seeing those faces is just how young. Young and uh, how, well, I can see the picture you uploaded of him, and he just is just icky. I mean. That fucking mustache. His choice of facial hair, not my favorite. <laughs> uh, his glare, just all of it. And he does look like someone that you'd see. Okay, if I, I, maybe I need to see another picture of him to determine this, but he does look like someone that you'd be like, well, there's the weirdo that lives down in, uh, you know, just a few down houses down. Yeah, that you just know that he's weird and you just keep an eye on him. But the fact that it went on for so long is what really irritates. Like that's so many that he years. Got, uh, yeah, that uh, it just he just got pass after pass after pass after pass. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. So that is my case. Yikes. So I'm gonna go drink somewhere alone <laughs> cry it's okay we have we may or may not have a drink or two here, we might so. have had a drink and it well maybe heal the wounds from this i'm telling you this is i it, there's a reason obviously that i don't know about this guy because i think i well purposefully i keep these guys out of my brain right i'm sorry i had to share this one with you no no you did good i think you did a really good job of covering him i think Thank that you. That was heavy. It was heavy. It was heavy. But you know what, guys? Next week, <laughs> I'm going to talk about dog crimes. <laughs> All the dog crimes. Do you dog know about that? Dog that stole bones. Dog that stole 
I can't even think. These of are very light crimes. <laughs> yeah. I was about to go a little darker, and you're nope. like, "Oh, this dog." Oh, but stole you were gonna go darker. <laughs> Bowie stole Rue's bone. Oh yeah, lots of crimes happen in my house. <laughs> my cat's like, "What? You bring a dog around, Mom? I ain't talking to you for a week." Yeah, yeah. Different different levels of crimes happen, and those are the crimes that I think we should put in the middle of these because this is rough. Um, the first thing that I'm going to ask is that we. Don't talk about child rapists again for a while. Yeah, we're going to take a break from that topic. And we both didn't know that we were both coming in with that. So Thankfully, it's over now. We talked about it. It's super important that it's talked about, I think. I think that it's good to know for a few different reasons. It's good to know that there are people that that exist like that. That are shit humans. It's scary, but it's good to know. But it's also good to know that, that people get what they deserve. I don't think he deserved to hang. But both of them were put in jail. Both of them were taken away from the public. So there was that. And I guess we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I mean, thank you for listening to episode two. Yep, we made it this far. From here, we do ask that you do go to our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Wives Podcast. Crime Wives Podcast Twitter. We don't have a Facebook set up yet. Um, please feel free to message us on Crime Wives Podcast. Um, any ideas you might have, any suggestions, any of your feedback. Um, you're also welcome to send us anything on Twitter. Um, and we do have an email, um, Crime Wives Podcast, if you want to send us suggestions there at gmail.com. Otherwise, that's it for us this week. I think we're good. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, Crime Wives out.